Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Thank you very much for listening to Try Love. It is a literal roundtable podcast about movies we saw or people we met at or through the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org, where you can get tickets and showings and other cool things to support the Trilon anytime you want. Uh, my name is Jason Daphnis. I was born to disturb the peace of men, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody Narvison, a simple man who cannot cope with freedom, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Mount the horse, I'll kill you anyway. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. And we are very pleased to be uh, joined by first-time guest. Uh, I'm going to assume you're a long-time listener. They all are. We have a gigantic following. Nizi oh, Abizwana yeah. is on the podcast today. Nizi, introduce yourself. Hey, hey, my name's Nizi. Um, so happy to be here. I... Um, was a Trilon volunteer briefly for like nine months. Um, and then lots of other things happened. So I'm no longer a, a volunteer there, but um, so happy to be here. I do various movie things. I write a little bit um, about film when I can. I, I run a local listings website for the Twin Cities called Alt House, which has been under construction uh, for the last few months for the same reasons that I'm not a volunteer anymore but that'll get back up and running soon. And um, yeah, super stoked to talk about this, uh, this lovely Hungarian film today. Us too. Us too. Um, I do want to give you a chance uh, and we can pull this out if we need to. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with MSP film? Um, Yeah, sure. Um, I, a fellow volunteer at the Trilon got hired there when they reopened and had their international film fest. His name's Morgan. He's an incredible cinephile, longtime film programmer, and he was running it. And it's only because of him, really, that I work there now. He was in charge of pretty much relaunching um, the theater uh, under the Film Society, and he invited me to work there. And even though he's no longer there for um, unfortunate reasons, uh, I'm a, a concessions lead there. And um, it's it's a pretty nice side gig. Mm-hmm. Um, they program lots of cool stuff, lots of stuff that doesn't show any other theater in the Twin Cities. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with there. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm a concessions lead there, so that's that's great. It's all relevant, and that's really exciting. I've had the chance to go to uh, MSP Film since I guess Film at the Main now um, since it changed ownership and hands and name and stuff. Uh, it is a really slick spot uh, and. Glad to know you're having a, an okay time there. Uh, but as you said, today's uh, discussion about a movie, not just movies in general. Uh, today's film is Electro, My Love, and I've got my quick little summary because Aaron's not in. Uh, here, I'm reading from a script, so if it sounds robotic or more robotic than usual, it's because of that. Uh, Electro, My Love is a 1974 film directed by Miklos Jancho. Thank you. Uh, and it is a Hungarian retelling of the story of Electra, wife of Agamemnon, the king of Mycenae, and a hero of the Trojan War. Thank you. Uh, 15 years after Agamemnon is murdered and his throne usurped by Aegisthos, the husband of a princess that Agamemnon took as a war trophy from Troy, 
The people are celebrating uh, the day of Agamemnon's death with festivals and rites under their new ruler, again, Aegisthos. Uh, Electra, Agamemnon's daughter, eagerly awaits the return of her brother Orestes, who is set to reclaim the throne from the tyrant Aegisthos. Uh, this film is known for its anti overtly anti-Soviet messaging, some very strong anti-authoritarian uh, themes and story going on, and for its incredibly long takes. I believe the number is 12 actual shots in this film that comprise the entire 70-some minute film. Um, so that is the... I'm only holding a candle to uh, what Aaron would have to say about this movie because I'm sure that he would be summarizing it in a much more concise and interesting way than I am. But the show's not about me. It's about our guest. Uh, Nazi, you wanted to talk about this movie um, for a little I think you claimed this spot more than a month ago, at least. I'm forgetting the exact time frame. But what made you want to talk about it and what did you think about it this time? Uh, so Electra My Love is one of those like canonical films that I feel like you kind of come across when you're just going through like the canon um, that has just been on my radar for a while. And, you know, they had all these new shiny 4k restorations that have been make been touring and, you know, um, the, the stills from this movie have always looked gorgeous. And what surprised me when I watched it is the stills don't even really do it justice. Like the, like the famous ones are like the, the hill of candles and, um, like that's the one I, I see the most. And also mm -hmm. the one where Electra is being held by, I, f I forget the name, but he's by her uh, brother. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, like the stills don't even really do it justice. Like really, really breathtaking. Uh, just, just film to watch. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it has, there's, there's certain, like if a movie has certain elements in it, like there's a baseline level that like I'll enjoy it as, and what I mean is just like, it has like really, really extravagant, like choreographed um, set pieces that don't feel, uh, they're, they're not technical for the sake of being technical, which mm -hmm. is a risk you run when you have um, like long takes, mm -hmm. you know, it's it, there, the, the long take uh, approach is it's fun uh, for like, a minute and then if like i don't know if you don't have anything else going on as far as presentation it gets really tiring you mean you mean to tell me that you weren't the world's biggest fan of yuritu's birdman 2012 you know at the time i really was i really loved that movie <laughs> i haven't seen it since i don't Same. know how i feel about it since i remember loving that movie and then like finding film twitter and i'm just like bro why does everybody fucking hate <laughs> like they yeah. hate him they hate the revenant like i can understand like not caring for him but like no like people think he's like garbage i'm just like geez i don't know i don't hate the guy i have fond memories of both those movies but oh, yeah. it's been again it's been years since i saw it um i guess i guess a more a more uh critical movie i'm i'm towards as far as that approach is like um what's that war movie the salmon 1917 oh yeah like fuck that movie. It's mid. Like yeah, yeah, like like that. That's kind of a waste of time. Or like I never saw it, but I didn't hear great things about like Victoria. That's like it's like a 2016 German film, and it's mm. one take. Mm. Um, but this works for a lot, a lot of reasons. Um, the colors are like deeply saturated and hazy, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, just like some of like the greatest blocking I've ever seen. I, I had a lot of um. It reminded me a lot of like the color of pomegranates where it's deeply like rooted in um, like nationalistic history and like sociopolitical uh, kind of conditions. But 
purely like as a visual um like experience it worked without like knowing any of that yeah yeah and um that's kind of that's kind of like really important for me for like a movie to work like you can't have just like one thing going on you know Mm -hmm. it's like like to me like the best movies are the ones that i feel like anyone can appreciate regardless of like your your contextual like familiarity with film film history yada 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 like I think any person that watched uh, Electra My Love could at least be like, wow, like this looks like really nice. Yeah. Yeah. This looks really nice. And um, this movie did what a lot of other filmmakers don't really pull off for me when it comes to like Greek adaptations, which is like, um, like, like to me, like most great Greek adaptations are really dry. They're really, really like, like if you're not familiar with them, like they're, they're incredibly boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this just like always had something going on. It was always like moving. It was like always moving in a way that felt like purposeful. Um, my main reference when it comes to like, well, when that really doesn't work, people love these filmmakers. A lot of people I really admire, love them. And I couldn't find them more fucking boring is um, Straub Hulet, the French married couple. Are you guys never uh, even heard of that? No. They're, they're deeply academic. They're deeply, deeply like dense and like, like, like just it's, it's kind of one of those things. Like if you know, you know, and if you don't like, it's not for you, they Hmm. have like, but like they're, they're very, very respected. They're very loved. I couldn't care less about them. And they do, they do what, what Yarnkos does here or like, as far as adapting Greek, like Greek plays, Mm -hmm. Greek, Greek stage plays. Um, and they just don't do it for me, but you know, this is probably my favorite like adaptation of like a Greek play that I've ever seen. I yeah. can't think of like, a more compelling one. Uh, so. The Percy Jackson movie was pretty good, but um, <laughs> uh, no, like I'm glad you started there with, you know, the, the sort of form and how it like the fact that this movie has so few cuts. It is a big movie for people like me who like stand up and say, this has all been one shot as like in the middle of the movie. Cause I do that with every fucking movie. Like when it goes more than 35 seconds without cutting, I'm like, I must note it. I must talk about this. Um, and like it can take five, 10 minutes of a single take. And like you said, sometimes, sometimes it gets like really theatrical and almost like circus, like in the background of these shots, uh, but not without purpose. Like it's always for some form of transition or for changing the scene or for, you know, communicating sort of a story without words type of deal. Uh, they're very elaborate, often like compromise, excuse me, comprising, um, several, like what would be pretty big set pieces, but just in a quick, you know, 20 second pan of, of it. Um, I, personally i really liked how like where it is in the world the place where this was shot i you can probably find this on wikipedia but it feels like nowhere on earth like it's just an open field in the middle of hungary right it it looks like nothing it looks like land that time forgot uh and that really highlights i think the idea that like the field that place takes place in is is like a stage like it's not meant to be a place in the world it's meant to be like because it is an adaptation of a play that is an adaptation of uh of a story of like a an ancient story like it does not feel like we're supposed to move around this space and really understand this space as it is like the people constitute the space itself the people like shape you know, when they stand on each other's shoulders and when they sort of like uh, make these vignettes with their bodies, it's like, this is the actual like shape of the world coming in through the actors themselves. Um, there's so much physicality and so like without 
like there are a couple of structures throughout the movie. There's uh, some buildings near the end and some stone blockage and stuff, but largely the entirety of the landscape is made up by bodies. It's Harry's hand shot up as soon as I started talking about that. So I assume that's one of the things you wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I you just, you really nailed it there, right? Like I, I was going to say, like, um, I think that some criticism of this movie that I've been reading is that the, uh, metaphors are so large and so in your face and obvious and broad. I love it. I love it so I, much. If it were I, especially any, like, oh. even if like, there's a lot. As Nizzi said, there's there's several things going on at once in this movie. Even if there weren't, even if all that he was doing was transcribing the body politic to bodies, and literally, as you noted really well just now, Jason. Um, demonstrating how the story of humanity has always exclusively been the story of people, right? It is the story of the movement of people, of societies, of cultures intermingling and exchanging ideas and thoughts. And um, uh, I, yeah, it, it's, it's so well illustrated here. I, it's like watching a ballet, right? Where like, there is just something about the physicality itself that becomes the storytelling in a way that, um, like Natalie, one of our other guests noted in her really good, um, letterbox review, which you should check out listeners. Um, it's really not like any other movie I've ever seen just on purely that sort of emotive physical level. And, um, to Nazi's point, what's really cool about it is that this is not just a technical Marvel, right? The, the formal, uh, mastery exhibited here is in perfect lockstep with the themes of the movie about the, um, course of human history and the cycle that it's trying to illustrate, uh, vis-a-vis revolution and justice and, um, law within a society and what those things mean and what they have to be and what they always will be despite the ebbs and flows of history. Um, and I found it like an incredibly moving way to illustrate that notion, um, especially to frame it in First of all, an ancient Greek myth, right? Really an important way to do that. And then very much what Jason, you had said about the like the almost Dragon Ball Z uh, like um, total like wasteland that this takes place on. You know, I'm thinking of like every time there's a big fight in Dragon Ball Z, they're like, we're going to go over here to this easily animated grassland <laughs> where really we can funny. do the fighting. And yeah. it's like, you know, that that's exactly what happened here is it was just like, we have to like be very clear that like, I don't want you to be looking at anything except for these people and how they interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really like, it's such a dazzling movie to look at for that reason. And just to, to understand that that is also perfectly in keeping with what was like the aim of this movie um, really makes it sing for me. Yeah. And for me as well. And I, I think my big like initial takeaway, um, which all of you in your own way have, have sort of landed upon is um, I guess like Nizzy to your point, even if, if you have no prior context with like this source material or you're not um, an expert in, in Greek mythology um, as a, as a crude example, um, just like it doesn't take a lot to understand what exactly is, is going on here, what the, the film is looking to do within the first few minutes, you know, the first of a handful of long takes. Um, we know that uh, Electra is pissed about her father's murder and everybody else thinks she's crazy for feeling that way. And then anybody else not like actively speaking is doing something, you know, there are hordes of people um, uh, achieving like very expertly and carefully choreographed 
sequences of movement in the background and Electra is just like when she moves, she is cutting through that at a completely different cadence, walking at a completely different trajectory. These different elements are like extremely at odds with each other. And that visual symbolism is just like, like we're, we're setting the stage very early and that's what the entirety of the, you know, 70, 74 um, minutes is. It's uh, like you said, Nizzy, it's very like purposeful movement. It's very like um, obvious movement. There's this, this projected, um, I think like feeling of frustration, at least that I was sort of pulling from of with either the, the, the lack of movement or at least the movement that like Electra might want to see, or like we as viewers sympathizing with Electra might want to see. Um, and eventually that sort of thing gets like redirected or, I mean, more metatextually, if you're the type of person who doesn't typically vibe with this kind of move, uh, like this type of movie and, and this kind of movement and pacing, like maybe you literally want to see <laughs> a different movement because, um, yeah, this like flavor in the movie isn't for you, but I, I think on, um, a number of levels, this vibes with all of us. So I imagine that was maybe not the case, but, um, yeah, like the, the orchestration, um, the uh, just the sequences of movement. It's a, a fucking gorgeous movie. Nazi, as somebody who is, uh, as you said, like you're interested in this style of filmmaking, the long take, the you know continuous shot, but not when it's just technical for technicality's sake. How did you feel about the cuts themselves? Did you tend to like notice? Did it bring more attention to what's on either side of that cut? Uh, what was that viewing experience like when you were really watching for it? Uh, I found that all the cuts um, made a lot of sense. Um, I, my favorite thing, so the the thing I really appreciate about Yonkos's, I hope I'm saying that right. It feels weird. Saying, <laughs> I'm but, not going to be the one to correct you, but yeah, but like the thing I appreciate about his his um, the way he presents this type of uh, specificity is that he has a sense of humor about it and he doesn't take himself too seriously. Hmm. Um, there's the, there's the people feel compelled. I feel like when they present like really serious historical or like, like social issues that you can't have a sense of humor about it because it's like such heavy material, but that's almost what you need to mm -hmm. um, make it not feel like a slog. Mm -hmm. Uh, the when you make when you make art about important stuff um i feel like a lot of people especially filmmakers forget that like this is still primarily something that is entertaining and not informational it's like what are you trying to do here right if you're trying to present something that is only informational then um maybe don't make like I mean, you can make an informational film, but I don't think he was trying to present it as such. Mm -hmm. And so he like understands that this is still something that someone should be able to enjoy um, regardless of like what they know or don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I, oh, sorry. I didn't sure. want to roll over you there, but you're just making me think of like the film feels without being instructional. It feels didactic in a way where it's like yes, you're informing, but you're doing it in sort of, like you said, an entertaining way. You're doing it with tools that are meant to sort of connect with somebody beyond an, a purely informational, like factual, um, you know, nonfiction way. I guess I'm thinking of largely the movie itself, you know, an adaptation of an adaptation, essentially, how many layers of abstraction can you get before it stops being informational, before it stops being like directly didactic. And even specifically, like very obviously director driven moments, like multiple times Electra breaks the fourth wall and stares directly at the camera as like 
oh, this is happening. You're watching me, you know, sort of plot against the ruler. You're watching, or like you probably know, viewer, that this man who's stumbled into town as a stranger is actually Orestes. You probably know that from basic like fiction uh, concepts and, and plot setups, right? Um, and moments like, <laughs> I know Cody was just talking about how Electra moves sort of like counter to how the movie's moving a lot of the time. There's one moment where they're perfectly in sync and it's after she's stripped and shamed some of Aegis's uh, like cronies and she's ordered them to dance in the way that they used to dance and she's like sort of mocking them in the foreground and like twisting her hands and doing a big like just shit-eating grin and sometimes looking at the camera for it it's those moments that make me think yeah this movie works at more than a like i'll just say at more than like a boring 70s hungarian way it works in a very like parsable fun 2022 acceptable this this actually connects with me beyond like oh i know what you're trying to do i know what you're trying to say now like find a smooth way to make it go down and those movies really really grease the wheels for me a lot i uh i agree i think that i really liked what you had started talking about cody and especially uh nazi about the specificity right because i think that the big difference is that the central metaphor that you know like we are in in sort of a historical all time periods time period here we're not meant to be focusing on these literal uh, events as they transpire, right? Like ostensibly there's this idea that this is a festival that happens uh, once every year has been for the last 15 years celebrating the regime change uh, when Agamemnon was killed um, by his deceitful brother. But like, it's very clear that we are supposed to have a very different relationship to this movie's fiction than we do to most movies fictions, right? because of the way that Electra narrates, because of the way she looks at the camera. And um, once that they have um, established that, and they do so very early on, as soon as Electra is talking about how she is, in fact, not a person at all, so much as a concept that cannot be ignored or destroyed, it, it trains us to parse the body movements in these really specific and fascinating ways. And exactly like you had said, Cody, um, I love the way Electra is like a cancerous cell in this body, right? She cuts across everybody in, she, she disrupts the flow. I think your line at the beginning was she's, she exists to disrupt the peace of man. We see that physically Jason. Um, and then I would add that like, uh, the, uh, the King, um, I, I right. Um, and his, his advisor, um, they operate in a similar, but sort of like, um, inverse way within the, the body, the wave of people here where they are similarly distinct and isolated from the rest of the group. But as Electra cuts across this path, she sort of invites followers, right? She kind of spreads a little bit cancer, like where like, as she's cutting through this path, she can like especially women, which has pretty obvious symbolic relevance, will sort of like gravitate toward her and join her motion, at least temporarily. Um, and she sort of picks up micro followers within the larger movement that way. Um, Agestos remains totally isolated and like is the conductor of the wave, right? At one point, he literally conducts it like he's a an orchestra conductor, but constantly people are giving him birth or uh, rearranging the way that they're moving to get out of his way and redirecting themselves around him. So like right off the bat, we see this very, 
again, uh, balletic and, and operatic sort of like use of body as sim- and character as symbol uh, intertwining that way. And I think that the reason why it never becomes stale is because that continues to evolve, I think, across this um, movie, right? Like, I think that even as we enter the second half, um, like you had said, Jason, um, when Electra sort of takes control, um, spoilers, I guess, <laughs> um, turns out, uh, yeah, she, this story uh, has only existed for like 3000 years. Don't, don't the, worry about the, it. The way that she does that is very different from the way the King did. Right. And, um, it becomes this sort of like very fascinating self-aware, like you can see the body awakening to its own power and purpose again. Um, and that makes the fact that the last portion of this movie is all about the necessity of that dying and decaying and losing consciousness so that that can be reborn again. We've seen it illustrated in the bodies themselves at work in this movie. Right. And I think that it like, that is such a, an effective means of sort of like physically symbolically conveying the same message that they are giving us on um, a thematic or narrative level. Yeah, there is a point at which this movie stops being about the tyranny of Aegistos and starts being about like, well, we've ousted the the tyrant. Uh, we have you know no real concerns. Now is the time to kill ourselves and make something anew. You know, it is it is sort of uh, it felt eventually like a warning against that complacency with power uh, against like again not just saying like, hey, rulers are bad or fascists are bad or like. Uh, the abuse and manipulation of communist ideals is bad. It's like, hey, every ruler, anybody with power should be ousted as soon as they have enough power to like make any change, right? Like that the the longer that um uh, Orestes and Electra are in power, it's like they it's only like a couple of scenes after they've killed Aegistos that they're like, it's time now to like they get in a helicopter tying it directly to like the modern day. Um, and then they say it's, it's time to go like, uh, they, they've restored their form of order. Uh, and then they recognize the need for change out of that. They recognize that the only way that they got in that situation in the first place, and this is only my read and maybe onto something or not, uh, they sort of realize because they knew before from watching it, it happened to Aegistos, they, they realize how that order that Aegistos had, uh, sort of instilled that, that control that he had over the people, um, breeds that, that comfort breeds complacency and, uh, subservience and abuse of the people where everybody seems pretty happy to be celebrating Agamemnon's 15th death anniversary. Uh, and nobody's really like standing up to or violently overthrowing as, uh, Yancho would have, would have apparently liked, uh, as a Marxist, um, there no nobody has like under Aegistos, nobody had that nobody was empowered enough to once uh Electra and Orestes have power, they realize this will happen to us as well. This is the corrupting nature of power, I think. I think that's what the movie is trying to say is like there is even with the best of ideals, even with like the quote unquote best intentions, power will corrupt. Power is like a a tool that belongs to the people, not the select few sort of thing. Uh, and in, in like killing themselves at the very end, again, I guess, spoiler alert, they are then uh, sort of resting that power back in the people's hands to say, this is now yours. Like order has been restored. Peace is like the tyrant is gone. We now cede this power back to the people. Uh, is that anything? No, I mean, I, I didn't interpret it exactly that way but i really like that interpretation especially with the the symbolism of those characters 
leaving and then re-entering the body as people once more, right? It's that once they become those cancerous cells, the sort of fomenters of revolution, once they become distinct from the people, they must be excised from the people and then reintegrated, right? Because the, the power must always rest with all people, right? And now we're getting into the real reason why I like this movie so much, which longtime listeners probably realize, which is just that like, Yancho saw all other communist cinema and he was like, fuck off. There's way too much subtext involved in all of that shit. I can do better. Uh, you're all cowards. Let's go. Uh, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that I think the way I interpreted it was that the the revolution, the, the spirit of revolution and what revolution necessitates about how we think about each other um, and how we think about the uh, – need to express justice no matter how impossible it seems or no matter how outnumbered it seems. Um, we always need to be sitting at that razor edge, right? We Like the revolutionary spirit, the struggle itself is the end, not just the means to the end, hmm. but the end itself. Um, and I think that when Electra and her brother arrive there, that's the thing that they realize, right? Is that Electra still needs to be Electra. She still needs to be the one that never forgets and never forgives oh. and uh, exists as justice, even after they've sort of like enacted their own personal cause. It, mm -hmm. it becomes bigger, right? And so it's like, I think that that's what the, the metaphor of the Phoenix at the, at the end of the movie represents for me is this idea that once we've achieved revolution, revolution needs to happen again and again and again mm -hmm. every day because we have to live in that spirit. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you start to think about how um, Yancho's like very anti-Soviet um, feelings were being made manifest, that that stems from a deep frustration with, like you had said, the ways in which the Soviets had later misappropriated in his view the communist ideals right. and had created something that was perverse. I mean, on a on a like literal level, it's pretty clear that that's the metaphor that's operating here for him uh, at first. But what I really love and find so moving about this movie is that he doesn't leave it there, right? His optimism for the Marxist revolution is such that he thinks that even if it's never been right, even if if we've never done it correctly and even if it's always been corrupted, tomorrow will be different, right? <laughs> That's what they literally hmm. say at the end of this movie. And it's like the way that it will be different is if we if we can finally sort of like understand through um, this newfound sort of understanding and love of, of history and of the stories we tell and of the people that they're about um, that – that cause the the original sort of ideology on which the revolution was founded is the answer to arrive at not just a means to get to a different sort of regime but the next step which is very in keeping with like the original sort of marxist communist theory and maybe according to him not so much what where the soviets ended up <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, I will ask, I will toss the question to both of our other remaining uh, co-hosts. First with Nazi, do you think it manages that pivot well from like this power struggle that consumes half to two thirds of the movie to that like ousting of Aegisthos to, uh, well, now like the natural endpoint of our rule is our, you know, mutual suicide and, uh, you know, and passing on and whatever and move like transferring power back to the people rather than consolidating it at the top. Uh, regardless of like your, your takes on that, did that, did that work? Do you think, do you think that flow was like pretty even natural and paced? How did you feel about it? 
Yeah, I do. Um, Harry brought up something that I think about all the time that actually like I, it, 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 I find it to be a very annoying criticism when people um, <laughs> Harry brought when, up a really annoying criticism go figure. no 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 <laughs> Harry brought up something not Harry's criticism itself he brought up something that people say about movies like this that annoys me uh-huh. which is when they say that something is too obvious or like the metaphor is too on the nose mm-hmm. and that is like that's the that's the director's intention like that that's exactly the point right mm-hmm. like that's not like if you don't like it, you don't like it that's different but you can't you can't call a function a flaw right like that is that is the very purpose of the film and um Electra has a line at one point where she's talking to the the tyrant she's like i won't kill you because a tyrant will just replace you we have to like essentially kill like the ideal ideology here um that's happening and it it presents this funny um way of looking at the film where it like entirely depends on who you are. Cause it's either the greatest uh, argument against nihilism or the most nihilistic film ever made. When you think about like the cyclical nature of like the way humans operate when it comes to like power and like the masses is like forever, like it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just like over and over and over again. And it's up to us to either like, not give in to that or to just like embrace it. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like Yonkos embraces it with just the way he presents the film. I love how much fun he has. He allows the extras in the background to have, um, especially like with like the line of like dancers. Um, they were dancing like in almost a way that like I would dance, which is like ridiculous, right? Like was, <laughs> they're doing that, like, like scooping and yeah, they, they do like this arm thing. That's like back and forth. It's very good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really absurd. And, um, it like, Yonkos like lets that happen. Like he, like everything that's happening, like, it's not like you could view that as like the, the extras like breaking Mm -hmm. like this, the, 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 the image, but there's nothing really to break. Like, it's not that serious. Right. It's just, you know, um, so yeah, it's 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 very it's very smooth as far as the way the way it pivots to to what it's trying to say. Yeah, I I would agree on the smoothness of it, and I mean tying it back to medium, uh, or like I guess the medium, the specific medium that this film chooses, the way in which it chooses to tell the uh, the showcasing of the the movement. You know, um, it, when the movement, even when the movement is absurd, even when it's you know, everybody's doing these basic dance moves that at my best I could like drunkenly produce at a wedding or something um, <laughs> or, or somewhere on that spectrum. Like the important thing is they're doing it together. Um, like there, there are groups of these people, like there, there, there's always movement and they're always, uh, yeah, like they're, they're always doing it together, like in groups or like in one big horde. And this, uh, I guess this, this movie, this movie knows, um, uh, Yantra knows when to be jarring and like the, the jarring elements don't come when there is like a cut, you know, when one of the 11 or 12 cuts take place. Like for me, the, 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 one of the more jarring moments is like when everybody stops moving and like everybody is lying together in a pile, like that is, um, the the more seamless elements, and I think the 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 choice to make these um, these takes and these sequences more free flowing and connecting, um, you know, like into each other, allows for 
excuse me, a way more confident, way more uh, seamless transition from one like set piece to the next one idea to the next um, one, like era to the next, uh, I guess, if you, if you want to go that route um, and, and to like, yeah, convey that sort of like timelessness or relevance, you know, to, uh, you know, Hey, we're still fighting tyranny today. Go figure. Um, the fact that, yeah, I don't know. All, all of that um, uh, is allowed to, you know, instead of getting a hard cut to black and, just, and an, an interstitial card that says, you know, Hey, it's 1970 now, and guess what? We're still fighting this fight, um, and we're. I'm. I'm gonna lay all this. Um, I'm gonna make the te- the subtext text. Um, the, 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 I mean, he didn't go that route, and I, I think that was obviously <laughs> the better choice. And I think mm-hmm. I agree that there is a certain flavor of optimism here that the 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 film lands on, and the um, yeah, I don't know, just uh, everything that went into this allows uh, for like a good positive momentum that feeds like very naturally into that sort of optimism based on, on the notes that we see. Mm -hmm. I like that you characterize it as optimism because when I was watching this movie, the, uh, you know, focusing on the craft, like themes and story aside, focusing on the craft, like that is where I felt like they were most confident, like, Hey, the story will tell itself the pieces of this more or less already exist. We're just mapping them to our current socio-political climate, but Hey, we're going to do the most big dick, we have this in the bag moves possible, like 10 minutes uninterrupted of really complex, like blocking and really interesting motion. And like, we've talked so much about how the humans, the bodies are the landscape of the production basically, and how it's blue sky and brown earth and just people between. Um, But like, mostly all I could think about was they, they like nothing has gone wrong in these shots. Everything is like standing and beautiful and like looks like it should without feeling like peacocking or ostentatious. It doesn't feel like, like Nazi said, it doesn't feel technical for the sake of technicality. It feels like this is a way in which these weird people in this weird place would naturally move in a place as, as strange, timeless and placeless as this. Uh, so like the more I think about the movie and watching it and the experience of actually seeing it, the more I think this is a really like this is an impressive piece. Like even if it were like tone poem style, even if it didn't have a story strictly or dialogue, this would still really work at a certain level and probably communicate, frankly, a lot of the ideas that it wanted to convey that it like ended up conveying through its story just through its pure motion and craft. I I was really, really fucking taken with it. And it, it's the rare movie that feels longer than it is. And I didn't mind, Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I really liked what you said, Nazi, about the extras and about the humor. I didn't uh, totally pick up on the humor, but now that you mention it, there is a lot of uh, like looseness with which the the actual events happening outside of the focus of the particular shot are sort of playing out, right? There are a lot of shots of people kind of doing whatever they want in the background a little bit, right? Like you, you kind mm-hmm. of get the idea that there was some direction there, but it wasn't like meticulous like this was not a kurosawa movie right where like every extra like was given insanely explicit instructions probably um Mm -hmm. and uh to the to the movie's credit like that's that's because these are um uh, apparently according to wikipedia again a lot of the extras were like literally factory workers and shopkeepers or shop workers from budapest um and uh though they weren't paid overtime uh, for what was definitely more than a normal workday, which Miklos is not Yancho canceled. Canceled. Uh, they apparently <laughs> did make more than they would have made in their jobs, is what Wikipedia says. Oh. So a little bit of equivocation. Redeemed. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll just sort of chalk that up to uh, 
uh, you know, things are complicated. I think that that if anything about this movie, I understand that that Yancho really understands uh, gray morality, right? Just sort of like lots of lots of gray areas. Nobody's totally good or totally bad. Uh, that's probably what he's all about anyway. Yeah, so I, that's, 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 that's what I was getting from this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we should talk a little bit about like how fucking hard the script is. Holy shit, does this script also just rock? What were what like, were some of your favorite lines? Oh, I was I just, gonna bring that up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like I love all of like Electra's monologues about yeah. like the nature of justice, and it's like if one person remembers a slight, then there is no justice for anyone. Which like really framing it in Marxism straight off the bat, but and then she says like and if. Crime, our punishment doesn't follow crime if justice doesn't follow injustice then the sun may not rise uh everybody might just burn up and die uh man is not man society is not society it's like man like they do such a good job of like exactly like um the physicality of the performance sort of renders these people as symbols within a living moving history the um the narration and the dialogue like really dispenses with um or i I should say just like really gets to the point about like we are dealing in the universal here right it's like um agestos is like the consummate fucking tyrant who is just like literally explaining the like machiavellian mechanisms of uh fascism every time he opens his mouth where he's like oh people love uh people love knowing exactly how their day is going to go uh and that's what i offer and that's why the people love me uh and like i just i i think that like they do such a good job of tackling like these big subject matters in this very sort of emotion forward way right to the point where like nazi said like it's it's really like a true battle, true sort of like death struggle between totalitarianism and uh, communism or anarchy. But like, it doesn't feel like an academic exercise, right? It feels like a ballet or an opera. Um, And I really appreciate it for that. And I think that the script does a really good job in um, sort of like helping that sell. She's she's just so wonderful. Like Electra's just so wonderfully emphatic. Um, everything you, you said, uh, Harry applies and she has another line where she's like, in the last 15 years since my father was killed, I have not slept one night. And it's like, and so one of you mentioned earlier how she's like a, a like a, a, a coalescence of like, like the whole country or like the, the masses of the people. And that's like, that's very like, yeah, hundred percent. Um, like that that is as someone who's palestinian like that's very much the energy that like i grew up with like like eternal struggle like this isn't for the meek like we 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 have to like stand up for ourselves and like i i very much agree with like that disposition and um yeah it's a great it's a it's a great uh pathos yeah leaders are bullshit truth is not prescribed kill everyone in power Exactly. Go. Uh, speaking of the humor, though, uh, I really like the way that Electra is offset, particularly at the beginning of this movie, because like we start with her, right? So we're like living in her headspace. We get that great monologue she has about the nature of justice, and like Agesto's big argument against her to the people is just that she's fucking crazy. <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, Electra. She comes to this every year. She's crazy." Like, just we don't have to listen to her because she's like, 
she's out of it. And it's like, that's very clearly not what is happening here. And like, she has more clout than that, but it is pretty funny that like immediately this movie sort of doubles back on its hardcoreness just by being like, okay, like this, this dude, like the, the, object of all of her ire and her scorn right he sort of emerges out of this mass of people and he's just like oh yeah electra that she's got some problems <laughs> it's like really <laughs> like that's but it it's it's really a kind of um modernizing even before uh that iconic moment when the gat comes out i guess uh in a way that i really enjoyed me too uh since i have run out of talking points i would ask if anybody's got any more before we head to the the junk drawer where you just get to pull out all your little bits and bobs and bullshit anybody got any last thoughts that we should dig into before we get there wait what is the next section because what i have to say might apply there instead of right now well junk drawer is where we like to bring out the i liked this shot don't really know why type thing oh perfect yeah then then i'll 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 hold it for them cool uh cody harry any other larger points before we get there Okay. I, I, you know, I love a revolutionary movie. <laughs> we all do. Don't we all? Um, well, I'll, I'll open up the junk drawer now and I'll bring out mine. Love the ukulele. That sounds like a guitar. That thing is the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever seen. <laughs> thing sounds like a full length six string guitar. And it's very clearly a shitty little ukulele. <laughs> love that that happens. Uh, but Nazi, it sounds like you've got one or two that, uh, that you'd like to pull out. What was the tyrant King's name? A justice. Aegistos uh, is how I've been pronouncing Aegistos? it. Aegistos, like Aegis is like a shield, so Aegistos, right? That's Aegistos, probably right. Sure. I kept thinking of late, late era, like end of his career Marlon Brando every time Ooh. I saw him. Hell like, yeah. Like almost him in like Apocalypse Now. Like they looked very similar to me. I just kept thinking of like Apocalypse Now era Marlon <laughs> That's Brando. That's so funny. I was <laughs> in a similar place, but I, I kept being like, he looks like if Vincent D'Onofrio was Billy Zane. <laughs> yes, Billy Zane also came to mind. Billy, Billy Zane, Zane also came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was, that was, that was got, my main one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Cody. Uh, well, in that similar vein, I wasn't even going to say it because I thought it was stupid. But uh, when Orestes, Orestes makes his, uh, or, uh, you know, the messenger, and then it turns out it's, you know, a shocker, it's him. I was, I was like, oh, uh, bearded Joel Edgerton is, is in this movie. Yeah. Nice He's so, so Joel Edgerton, dude. Profile, Joel Edgerton in an A24 movie has made an appearance in this movie. <laughs> or uh, just in Star it. Wars. He literally looks or like just Joel Star Edgerton Wars. as Uncle Owen. That's hilarious. Right. Um I also love the, I just love the bard in general. I love that there's like this puckish Shakespeare-like character who just sort of follows around the characters and does like ridiculous little songs about whatever's happening. Um, This is like, it very much felt like a stage play throughout the production. And I think that was one of the biggest ways in which like, there's just this character who's just sort of on the periphery um, almost like the fool in, in King Lear or something, right? And he's just like he's just like sticking his head in there and like all of a sudden there's just a song and you're like, wait, is this a musical? And it's like, sort sort of, I guess. Um, yeah, very much like Seu Jorge in uh, <laughs> Life Aquatic where it's just like, oh, wow, and yeah. now we interrupt your regularly uh, scheduled revolution. Film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, eventually he did get his guitar. He does have a full guitar by the end. So, uh, we, we stop being, we stop living in fin- in fantasy once the, uh, helicopter gets going. Um, okay. Well, I, I think we can call that our actual discussion. We've got one final segment of our show. Uh, Nizzy, I hope you can join us in singing along our intro theme, which Harry will count us in on. Yes. Thank you. It is the intro segment that we like to call. <gasps> 
Can you actually Cody? count? Can you actually count us in? We oh, never you ca- want actually to count okay. us in, and I feel like our guests are always taken by surprise on it. Well, I just, I for me, it's the big, it's the big ah. Uh, but I understand. I'm gonna go three, two. Cody's no fees. Cody's okay. I, I fucked that up. I fucked that up. It's all right. It's all I right. I forgot what Will was said, so I came in late, but now I know no, it's Cody's. You got I shouldn't have told you the formula. Should we, I should try, should we do it again? Yeah, I think we should do yeah, it again. Let's do it again. I, I'm all just right. going to do the big, the big ah. Uh. <gasps> Cody's no Yes. Sick. That was, see, that was wow. great. Thank you, Nizzy. Yeah. Hey, thank you for that introduction. And much like this movie, we did that in as few takes as possible. Am I right? That's. Hmm. Ouch. We've done like, high we've five. done almost 200 episodes where we did not need that many takes, and this is the one where you say we needed that many takes. Wow! Listen, I, I was going to say that regardless, and then y'all happened to take <laughs> the most <laughs> amount of takes we've ever needed. Um, but hey, uh, we made it here. That's what's most important. And today, uh, I'm hoping we can uh, do another installment of Trilibs, which, for those unaware, is our attempt at. Uh, replicating the the world famous game known as Mad Libs, where you take uh, take a story with some blanks that need to be filled in with various parts of speech. You don't exactly know what story or you know um, you, what story is being constructed by what you're putting in, and so by the end of it, you've got a, a fun little yarn to share with your your friends and family and loved ones. And so what I've got here is a story you know, very generally, very vaguely inspired by the movie that we just finished discussing. And so in the order of Jason, Nazi, and Harry, I'll just run through y'all uh, in a loop of pick your brains about uh, some some various things that we need for this story. And by the end of it, we'll hopefully have something fun to share uh, as a result. And so Jason, I will start with you. Can I please get a, a, a surname? Ooh, um... Baxter. Baxter. And while I replace that spoilers in um, a few different areas, uh, what uh, what landed you upon Baxter? Uh, anything uh, in particular? I saw a clip from Adventure Time the other day on TikTok where they did the whole James Baxter thing. Anybody here watched enough James- Adventure Time to get there? There, there, there was a, a an animator named James Baxter who was known for like really fluid but very cartoonish movements in I think like 80s and 90s cartoons. Anyway, huh. they incorporated that man... They, they had that man do animation for the show, but for, just for one character. Uh, and the ho- character's name is a horse named James, named James Baxter who only ever says the name James Baxter. Wait a minute. So mm. is, there, is there also a Masaki Yuasa character in Adventure Time? Or did they uh, just do that for Baxter? They only did that for Baxter, but uh, they did... Like I don't know if you remember, Masaki Yuasa like did direct did a, a, couple, a portion of at least of, one episode, of, right? I did not know that he did yeah, a portion of sick, dude. He did it a portion rocks. of one episode. I'm going to stifle Harry's enthusiasm. He did a portion of one episode that's like an anthology with a bunch of different animators, and he did one section. But yeah, it rocks. That's cool. I I love Yuasa. I can't wait to see his new movie. Um, was never a big uh, Adventure Time guy. Um, not my speed, but I, I do want to check that out. It's probably on YouTube. I'll, I'll yeah, watch it on YouTube. It, it's it's not hard to find. Uh, it, I thought Adventure Time wasn't my speed until I like binged the whole thing, and it's just one of the most joyous little pieces of anything I've seen. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Um, I, I give two thumbs up to Inua, by the way. If you ever get a chance to see it, it was playing recently, no, but I don't know s- if it's. I think I might see it today. I think I might see it later today. Nice. nice. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Uh, I will. Nice. That was just one yeah, round. So Baxter. Notes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. Listen, this is uh, the we essence ba- of podcasting. 
Yeah, no, we banked some time uh, a little bit or earlier. So that's, hey, that's totally okay. Um, and it turns out I only needed to change that name in one place. So um, even even more fun, but we'll move right along here. Um, Nazi, we're over to you. Could I please get a name from you? Any, any kind name? of name? Yeah, any kind of name. Like a, like a first and last name? Uh, whatever you're feeling. I'm happy to take a first and last name if you want to offer it, but not a requirement. Uh... Innocuous Johnson. <laughs> innocuous. All right. Johnson. Is that um, first, first name innocuous, last name Johnson? Yeah. That was my nickname in college also, which is really good fun. That, that's um, too, that's too, I assumed you must have been referencing something with that, but I just Googled it. Nothing. That was no, an no, original phrase. Up. Completely yeah, original yeah, yeah. phrase. He first heard on Trilove. You heard it yeah, here first. It's like um, he's. I just think of like a vagrant who, you know, like a John is like a reference to like just like a, a faceless, like non-identifiable person. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think of them as shady, but no, like he's a, he's a good guy. He's an like there's nothing. He's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> he's just a, he's just one of the drifters who doesn't have any bad business with anybody in town. You know? Yeah, yeah. he just likes to like keep to himself. And, he's like, just you vibing. Know, he's just vibing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like he's minding his business. You know, he's an Oculus Johnson. Yeah. I love it. Shout out to Innocuous Johnson. Uh, and shout out to Harry, who, Harry, from you, I need the name of an actor, please. Uh, let's go with Billy Zane. I'm still thinking about it. Fuck yeah, dog. Scrumptious. All righty. Okay. Billy Zane, welcome to the pod. And okay, perfect. Got that sorted out. Uh, back to Jason. Jason, um, from you, can I please get the name of a country? And we've hey, we've screwed this up on on past episodes, if memory serves. So let's uh, let's let's connect on this one, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just googling to make sure the country I'm about to name is actually a full country. Uh, Moldova. <laughs> Thanks. Moldova. All right. Uh, excellent. And back to Nazi. Nazi, from you, I'm actually going to need another name if you would be so kind. Another name? Wow. Okay. Yeah. You were so good at the at the last one. I figured I'd, I'd circle back to you. Um, Nancy Goodwill. I have a, I have a feeling that I'd actually get a couple results from that if I Google it, so I won't bother. But uh, well, she she's a she's a sad old woman from my past. I met her at Goodwill, and her first name is Nancy. I never learned her last name, and um, she complimented my loafers one day, and then she ended up taking me out to lunch at a Mexican restaurant and proceeded to tell me like the saddest life story I've ever heard. Wow! And then she gave me Xanax. Um, <laughs> There was she, a lot that happened in between. It wasn't just like, but like, <laughs> this is a true story. From I was your I was lunch. Like Here's some pills. <laughs> yeah. Man, wow. Woman. I hope she's doing okay. Yeah, she really needed that. Shout outs. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Nancy Goodwill. Yeah. Oof. Um, Harry, I dare you to follow that up with an emotion. And once you do that, can you please um, verbalize uh, an emotion for this game? Because that's yeah. the thing that I <laughs> filled out. Uh, it, let's go job. with Wistful. Wistful is an emotion if you're me. I'm often wistful. I'm always saying that about you. Uh, over to Jason uh, again. Jason, from you, could I please get a verb? We call him Wistful Mackin. Um, uh, ang, ang, uh, wait, what verb? A verb, yeah. Kick. Nice. Uh, Nazi, uh, actually, from you, could I also get a verb? 
um, asphyxiate. <laughs> That'd be a real fucked up trilibs. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, Harry, from you, could I please get a type of relative? Mm, great aunt once removed. I don't know if you can have removals of aunts. I think it's only cousins. Eh, I think so. I think I think it's going to be a great aunt once removed. Is removal when like they get divorced or something? I don't is, actually is know. Gen- I forget which way it goes. It's like your first cousin once removed, I think, is like your mom's cousin's son is what I want to say. It's like generationally is the removal. Uh, rather than like by degrees of, but well, she like, was once removed from my fucking life. Oh, and, and now she's back. No, we've reconciled. Yeah. That's why Damn. she's once oh, wow. once removed. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, okay. we're, we're cool now. Oh, nice. Has a happy ending. Uh, we'll see if this ends up having a happy ending. Uh, but until we get to that point, Jason, from you, could I please get a name? <gasps> Zilly Bane. <laughs> Thank you. You had that uncomfortably. I, had that, I was <laughs> close you, to the you, trigger. You gave Nazee the next name one after Harry named Billy Zane, and I was like, so say it. I was trying to telepathically communicate to you through the camera. Please say Zilly Bane. <laughs> <laughs> um, Never in a million years would that have come to me. <laughs> uh, oh, come on, don't doubt yourself. Um, Nazee, though, I, from, I hope that we can get from you a noun. Um, is there a universe, uh, particularly this one, where we where we could get that? I'm getting bad at segues, but you know a noun yeah um a hospital a hospital it's a noun right it's a place yeah yeah no for yeah, sure yeah, i just yeah. want to i just want to make i make sure i heard you correctly you want to fucking, fucking go I, every I, single, I, I, no i mean every single time cody asks me for anything verb noun ad i'm like okay i i know what that is right i know what that type of word that's the thing i haven't thought about like grammar definitions in in, like 10 years so no no it was literally i just wanted to make sure i heard you right um i think like my earbud must have picked up the only time i've ever incredulous incredulously asked somebody is like really is when aaron back in the early days of trilibs would go on like gun tangents and just say (laughs) aaron from from you could i please get it down uh gun and just get a verb (laughs) uh shoot (laughs) <laughs> That's really really funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, kill. Jeez, are you sure? This is yeah. This is about son of the white mare. And I, miss him, about, I miss him more. I miss Chicagoans, man, are just ruthless. <laughs> it's in his blood now. Yeah, it's it's changed him. That's for damn sure. Um, one man who will never change is Harry Mack, and and from you, Harry, I need a unit of time. Minute. By minute, by minute. All right, Jason, an adjective from you, if you would please. Tick. As in to tick. Take off. An adjective? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, you could do ticking. Ticky? T- ticklish. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> That's hey, you know what? Br- brick the the hezzy Jimbo got the offensive rebound. You laid that one right back up and in, Big Daddy. That was pretty good. Um, moving right along, Nazi from you. Could I please get an exclamation? Bamboozled. All right. <laughs> this. I tripped over my clickety-clack fingers. Hey, there we go. Um, do, do, do. Harry, another emotion, if you would please. Oh, you want more from me? Um, sorry. Sorrow. Deep sorrow. 
Uh, regular sorrow is fine. Thank you. Uh, deep is an adjective. Um, Jason, a verb, please. Um, lick. Nice, nice. nice. <laughs> very good, very good. We're I think we're we're pretty well in, into the home stretch here. Just a couple more. Uh, Nazi, from you, another exclamation, please. Something you would shout out. I would shout out. Or yeah, like so, yeah, something you would shout. You know, just like an exclamation. Egregious. Yeah. Nice. Oh, very <laughs> good. Boozled and egregious. I've never heard these words from your mouth, but I expect to. Uh, and you know what? Our, they're good. Man, you just wait until we the, the Trilon and Trilove faithful are going to be shouting these words from the high heaven. Um, <laughs> you heard it, heard it here first. Um, Harry, a noun, pretty please. Tiger. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. Just again, a couple more here. Jason, a type of vehicle. A rickshaw. You've definitely used that one before. It, and it's I'm glad medically consistent again. here, too. Rickshaw. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we'll see. You, you never know, right? Uh, and finally. Barely a vehicle. <laughs> the, the very. The very last one, unless I do that thing where I skip over one and we got to come up with a word on the fly, which is always very fun. But I believe we've got our bases covered, knock on wood. Nazi, from you, the very last thing that I need in order to complete this little yarn is the name of a movie. Any movie. Any movie. <laughs> um, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> We need to talk about Kevin. Very good. All right. That concludes this. I, I, I think we're all covered here. I'm not quite sure, but we're going to jump in anyway. And so without further ado, I present to you all Trilibs colon Greek mythology. <laughs> Do you get it? I, I'm not being subtle either. <laughs> um, anyways. Once upon a time, the royal family Baxter saw their patriarch, Innocuous Johnson, murdered. It was widely known that the deed was carried out by Billy Zane so that they could seize the throne for themselves and rule all of Moldova. Innocuous Johnson's heir, Nancy Goodwill, continued to feel wistful toward Billy Zane for many years, even as the rest of the population kicked Billy Zane and asphyxiated Innocuous Johnson's legacy. Wow, that actually worked better than I thought it would. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Not Anakin's uh, Johnson. Now I like he's a person to me. I I know him now. This is my so boy, sad. Yeah. Yeah. My best nothing to nobody. It's always it's always the good ones. Uh, Justice for Innocuous Johnson t-shirts will be available soon in the Try Love shop, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, moving on. Nancy Goodwill believed that their great aunt once removed, Zilly Bane would have been able to seize the throne back from Billy Zane. But following Innocuous Johnson's murder, Zilly Bane got really into hospitals and nobody ever saw them again. God. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, many minutes went by, Billy Zane's reign continued, and Nancy Goodwill grew more and more ticklish until one day when a messenger came along to give Billy Zane a message. Bamboozled, the messenger <laughs> said. Zilly Bane is dead. Billy Zane, stricken with sorrow, licked around the kingdom in celebration. The messenger then found Nancy Goodwill and pulled them aside. Psst, the messenger said, it's me, Zilly Bane. Egregious! Together, Nancy Goodwill and Zilly Bane found Billy Zane and killed them with a tiger. 
Wanting to make use of their newfound freedom, Nancy Goodwill and Zilly Bain got into a rickshaw and traveled to the Trilon Cinema. As they settled in for a showing of We Need to Talk About Kevin, they reflected on how revolutionary impulses must never fade away and that their work was far from over. The end. Wow, incredible. You know, I, I really got to say, I don't think that the Trilon should be doing an Ezra Miller uh, series right now. That seems tone deaf. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what made me think of the movie, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. he's a sociopath in the movie, and it's just like... <laughs> it's like, wow, it should have been our first guess, huh? Uh, that was awesome, Cody. Thank you. I'm Thank definitely going to start saying um, egregious like that. It sounded like something Bill and Ted would say, like, most egregious. <laughs> I particularly like the whispered bamboozle. <laughs> You've also, when I, when, I, when I hear that Zilly Bane got really into hospitals, it just makes me think he became like, like addicted to like opiates, <laughs> and just like tried to scavenge hospitals for like opiate opiates. So, like, that's, really what, that's why he disappeared. Hospital medicine closets, and nobody ever saw him again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just <laughs> being being an, an addict. Yeah. Incredible, uh, Zilly Bane addicted to Xanax. Uh, thank you so much, Cody, for uh, another episode of uh, another edition of Cody's Noties. Always ending our episodes on a fun, light note. Nazi, tell people where they can find you again uh, before we head out of this episode. Oh uh, well, my Twitter is my first name is Z with let's see here uh, two A's, one Z, three E's, and two H's. If you want to follow me on my Twitter. Uh, which you should, because my Twitter's fire, always popping, uh, nothing but fire. <laughs> and that's mainly where I'm at. I'm on other socials, but I don't use them as much. Oh, I'm on Letterbox. Follow me at just Nazi, my first name. Um, fire there as well, only fire. You got uh, uh, you got in on that Letterboxd SEO before you could before anybody else could take Nazi, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's lots of Nazis with my exact spelling, really, really clawing for that. That yeah. are like hardcore cinephiles. Yeah, I, for I sure. see. I'm searching it, and I'm coming up with Nazi one, Nazi xxx, Nazi underscore underscore two. A lot of a lot of pretenders to the throne, but you're the only one with Nazi. Uh, okay, so and if you want to do hard mode, I guess you can try to find Nazi on Twitter uh, with all those A's and E's. If you want to take the easy route, the coward's route, you can find links in the show notes to everything we've talked about uh, on behalf of Nazi. Thank you again, Nazi, for being out for this episode, for being, uh, for getting us to watch it. We might have covered another Nick Cage movie, but I'm really glad we broke script and followed up with this one for now. So uh, thank you so much for inspiring that and for being on the show. Um, I should mention, actually, because Nick Cage is a topic of conversation lately here on the podcast, if you're listening to this at release, you have one more chance to watch. Uh, it'll be valley girl on the 16th of august uh and then it's wild at heart and mandy follow out or excuse me close out the nick cage national treasure series at the trilon uh you can see uh fellow podcasters all of my stamps that i've gotten on my fucking card look at uh, you yeah look at that i'll say that maybe one of them is counterfeit uh but only by nepotism not literally because i bought a stamp or else i would have already filled this out completely uh i, I love would you earnestly embracing the spe- specific use of an audio Dude. only medium yeah. also <laughs> look at my fucking stamps normies J- jason's jason's yeah. abuse of the nicholas cage passport is going to make me electra i'm gonna be the person who's like <laughs> i have to speak my truth gotta kill him he has not been in attendance for all of those films now, now he's, here's, a, he's here's a low down here's the thing cheater. show me show me your fucking card harry what have you been doing if you got some bear I, spots you ain't got no bear spots and i know there I, are several movies you ain't seen at the trial on Oh yeah, no. I've seen. I've been in attendance for every single one Drive of those. Drive angry. Oh yeah, no. I went by myself. Nine o'clock. Wow. Check, the, check the tapes. I Got do a lot not, of contention here. I do not believe it, but I did 
the closest I came to being called out was when I asked Barry to stamp my thing. I was like, I couldn't make it out, but I did watch it. He's like, so if I ask you questions about the plot, <laughs> I was like, That's such a Barry oh response. God. <laughs> he was, oh God. And I was like, well, what do you want to know? He's like, well, actually just tell me, is it, which is better ghost Rider or drive angry? And I'm like, I've never seen ghost Rider, but it's gotta be drive angry. <laughs> I assume it's better than ghost Rider. Uh, and that's the Nick Cage National Treasure Series playing at the Trilon through the rest of August. Catch a movie there uh, and then listen for episodes on at least one or two more of these movies. Um, we're probably going to republish Valley Girl, but hey, I don't need to I don't need to part the kimono that far. Uh, but hey, more stuff coming from Trilon, more co- stuff coming from Trilove, including our outro, which starts with me saying thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast, find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. Thanks once again to our guest, Nazi. Uh, and you can find me, I'm Jason Daphnis, to help make this podcast uh, on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Yeah, thanks, Nazi. Uh, straight fire, etc. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. That was great, guys. Thank you. Uh, all of you, especially Nazi. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. Whosoever dares to harm so much as a finger of anyone who speaks freely of himself or of public matters on the day of truth shall have all his bones crushed and his body roasted over hot coals, thorns driven under his nails, and shall be skinned in strips. People, speak your minds! <laughs>